This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. Because marriage without maintenance will break. I am your happily married host, Jason Parham. Join the Fixer Upper Marriage class via live recording as we learn how to make marriage and love better. Electrical problems in the house are not only annoying, but can also become very dangerous. Moreover, electrical problems in your marriage can not only be annoying, but can become very dangerous in your relationship. Listen along to learn how to identify and fix electrical problems in your marriage. To follow along with the show notes and for additional content, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash electrical. Faulty electrical wiring can cause serious problems in the house. I mean, they range from annoying electrical problems to some serious safety issues when you have problems with your wiring. Sometimes it happens just your house is made a certain way. Maybe you have to add wiring to a house when you're fixing up, or maybe you have to add a certain receptacle. I need like a dryer has to have a special kind of receptacle or a stove has to have one of those big receptacles that you plug in. It's just more voltage. So you need more than that. Or maybe you add something to your house and you have to add more wiring. And maybe you have an older house and maybe things are not up to code or the way they should be in the house. Recently, my, my parents, called me and some of the lights were out in their house. So I went to the house and tried to investigate. I called a couple of people and come to find out they had an outlet that was bad. And the outlet had actually looked like it was um, burnt up. And I pulled it out of the wall. It was starting to come apart and separate. It was was, uh, black and you could tell it had been going on for a while. Whatever was happening, whatever was arcing there, whatever was causing problems. But I discovered that there was problems. You know, according to Electrical Safety Foundation International, or FSFI, electrical systems are the third leading cause of fires in the U.S. They cause hundreds of death, injuries, and over $700 million worth of damages a year are caused by electrical fires in the U.S. In a similar way, faulty wiring in your marriage can cause serious damage to occur in your relationship. Not having the right kind of outlets or not having ignoring warning signs when things start to go wrong. It can be really problematic in your marriage. Everyone so learn about how to identify and fix some of those electrical problems in your marriage. Number one, learn how to replace faulty things in your marriage instead of giving up. Learn how to replace faulty things in your marriage instead of just giving up. If you find out that you have electrical problems in your house, you don't just throw your house out. You don't just give up on your house, do you? And you fix the problems. It's like you're driving in your car and your brakes start to, to mess up and your brake pads are bad. You don't just drive to the, to the junkyard and turn your car in, right? You get, you fix, you replace what's wrong with what's wrong with your car. And marriage is the same way, but for some reason, when things go wrong, we've got it in our head. We're just supposed to just give up. We're supposed to just give up on each other and give up on our marriage and give up on our love just because maybe one area is not right or something's gone wrong or there's a fault somewhere. And so we think we're just supposed to, instead of fixing it, we're supposed to just throw things away. You, know, you don't realize you create a whole new set of problems. I mean, people, people think I want to solve my problem by getting separated or divorced. You create a whole nother set of problems by doing that. 
One is there's a shame of now your problems become public. You know, before, people probably didn't really know what was going on. Maybe you could have an idea and tell they're having problems, or maybe you see a man in the parking lot arguing. Well, now everybody knows. I mean, all your family and all your friends, now there's the shame of everyone publicly knowing what's going on. Then there's the pieces of your marriage that are left behind. What about the impact that your marriage is going to have on other people being separated or being divorced? Your kids will have to live with that the rest of their lives. My wife, her parents got divorced when she was really little. That's a part of her story. It's a part of who she is. She tells me all the time about how she was passed back and forth, how she stayed with her grandparents and how much it hurt and all the different things that come into play when your parents are separated and then they're divorced. The pieces of your marriage that you leave behind, you have to consider the problems that it's going to cause. And then the emotional baggage that you create for yourself. You want the rest of your life that's kind of hanging around your neck. You talk to somebody who's been married and divorced their whole life that's hanging on their neck. I mean, I had a bad marriage. We got divorced. It's like it follows you everywhere. I mean, it's not the right way to go to fix your problems. I mean, you don't just throw your marriage out just because something's wrong, just because there's a fault somewhere. No, you find the fault and you fix it. I didn't go to my parents' house, mom, dad, just going to move out. This is, we're done. I mean, I don't know. You don't have any lights. This is, this is go. I mean, this could be tragic. Your house could burn down. No, I worked hard. I looked. I crawled under the house under the dirty, slimy crawl space that nobody's been in in quite a while. And I climbed under there and I followed the wires and I traced them out and tried to figure out where where the break was in the line. And I was able to identify that and fix that. And now guess what? All the outlets work and my parents can use all the outlets in their house. But you, you try to fix those things. You don't just throw out your love and throw out your marriage just because you're having problems. I know some people, they say, we're going to stay together, we're going to, but then they don't work out their problems. They're just miserable together. God's not happy with that either. He wants you to be happily married. He wants you to enjoy the relationship that you have. So work together to fix the problems that you have. The problems that you bring into marriage. There may be some electrical problems that your house has from the start. And there may be something wrong. It may have been wired wrong to begin with, or maybe it's not set up for modern appliances And the ugly truth is that we all bring our own faults and problems into marriage, don't we? Yes, the thing about it is, you know, we love our spouse. What's wonderful about marriage is we love our spouse, even though we have these problems and these faults we go into marriage with. It's, It's just clearly exemplified in the words that we use when we get married, the vows that we say. What do we say for better or for worse? And I think sometimes my wife got the worst end of the deal. When, when I think about the faults that I have, but we say those words, that's because that's what marriage is. We made this vow before God and we made this vow to our spouse. They're going to stick together no matter what, for better or for worse. That's why we say those words. In reality, marriage is two flawed people who enter into a lifetime by despite the flaws that we may have. And when those flaws become evident, you don't just start over. You work together with God's help to overcome the flaws that you have in your lives and in your marriage, the problems that you bring into marriage. What is your threshold in giving up? What's the threshold point for you to give up on your marriage? What does it take for you to give up? Most people's threshold for giving up on each other is typically when your spouse stops making you happy. When your marriage stops producing happiness for you, that's when a lot of people say, 
That's my threshold. I'm going to give up now. My marriage is not making me happy. So a lot of people, that's the threshold that they have. The feeling of being in love is not as important as the covenant that you have with one another that you made before God. And when the honeymoon part of marriage is over, that's when the commitment, that's when the commitment that you make to each other on the wedding altar begins to really kick in. It doesn't mean that you can't feel love anymore. Just your love becomes deeper and more meaningful. Before it was more of a superficial love. We liked each other and then we fell in love and we had all these feelings and all these reactions happen in your brain and we feel this feeling of being in love. And then after a while that begins to dissipate. That's when your commitment kicks in. That's when you have to be committed to it. That's when you have to honor those vows. And that's when your love really becomes something deep and meaningful that you maybe not have experienced before. The love relationship in marriage reveals the love that Christ has for fallen mankind. He offers us the covenant of redemption and grace. When we make a choice to accept our end of that covenant, And we put our faith and our trust in him. It's an amazing relationship that we have with him, isn't it? And it mirrors the relationship that we have with the gospel. It's a lopsided relationship that we have with God. He gives so much to us. He loves me even despite all my faults and all my failures. What is his threshold? Where is the threshold for where is God's threshold for giving up on us? And one of my favorite songs that I have right now is by Joseph Haberdank. He sings a song that I guess he wrote it just when you thought it's called just when you thought. And some of the lines talk about that threshold for God's forgiveness and that threshold for God's love and that threshold for his grace. This is one of some of the lines just when you thought that his grace somehow reached the end. You find you're forgiven again. It's God's character It's who he is to have mercy and forgiveness. This is in the book of Micah, chapter seven and verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. It's in his character to have mercy and forgiveness and to have mercy and forgiveness that is without limit. It's the threshold you can't find. That threshold that he has, if you're willing to repent, if you're willing, if you're willing to ask his forgiveness, you will not find an end to it. You will not find that threshold. It makes me think of this, the Bible story that I refer to often when one of the disciples, Peter, asked Jesus about forgiveness. What should the threshold of my forgiveness be? How often should I forgive my brother? And Jesus answered him was, was shocking, and it gives a glimpse of his threshold. He said, he said Lord, do, should I forgive my brother seven times? There's no 70 times seven. There's no limit to his forgiveness. There's not, there's not something, there's not a, a place where you reach where God's not going to forgive you anymore. God's forgiveness ends at the point where we're not willing to accept it. As long as you're willing to accept his forgiveness and repent, he is, he is there. That offer is there of his forgiveness, regardless of our response to it, that offer is there. Likewise, as illustrated in the story of love and forgiveness, you know what, when we have the right kind of attitude toward your spouse, when you have the right kind of attitude of love and forgiveness, that forgiveness is always available to them. In your heart, you are always willing and ready to forgive them. You are open to forgive them. And if it's not, if it doesn't happen, This is because they didn't accept it. It's because they were not willing to do their part. 
Just like, just like God. I'm willing to accept his forgiveness. He's, willing, he's always willing to offer forgiveness to me when I reach that point. Learn how to replace faulty things in your marriage instead of giving up. Number two, learn how to use the power of touch in marriage. Learn how to use the power of touch in marriage. God created our bodies to communicate in this amazing way, to communicate by touching. And when a baby is born, what's the first thing everybody does? Well, you feel the baby's soft skin, right? It's just you want to touch that baby. You want to feel that baby. You want to touch that baby. You don't play and tickle the baby's feet, right? You want to touch that child. And we start communicating. You want to take the baby's, hold that tiny little hand in yours and just touch that baby. And that starts this communication that we have. Without saying a word, you can communicate by touching. And God made us this way. As we grow up, you know, it continues to play an important role. Touching, in fact, is one of the most intimate forms of communication you can have with your spouse. I mean, just by touching each other, you can express joy, love, gratitude, or even sympathy. You can communicate how you feel just in the way that you touch each other, just in the way you touch. You can say a thousand words by simply touching your spouse and not saying anything at all. In 2009, psychologist Matthew Sinterstein of DePaul University conducted a study that demonstrated how we all have the ability to communicate through touch. He took a group of people and blindfolded them, a group of strangers and blindfolded them and asked them to try to express certain emotions by touch. He asked them to express things like anger, fear, disgust, love, gratitude, sympathy, happiness and sadness. And the results were shocking. 78 percent accuracy that the person who was blindfolded knew what the other person was trying to intend. The emotion that they were trying to convey by the way they touched. And that's because God designed us that way. It's a form of communication. Consider the power of touch that's in the gospel story. There's a, there's a story in the Bible of this desperate man. It's found in Matthew chapter 9 and also in Luke chapter 8. This desperate man with a sick daughter and he's pleading with Jesus. And he said, if you, if you would but touch my daughter, if you would but touch my daughter, I know she'd be okay. He's pleading with the Lord. And in the same text, there's a woman who'd been sick for 12 years. And you know the story, I'm sure. She reached out and what did she do? She touched the hem of his garment just by that touch, just by touching him. And people knew just by Jesus touching their loved one that their lives would be changed forever. Everything that Jesus touched in his earthly ministry, he changed it forever. I mean, think about the cross. I mean, it was such a symbol of shame and it was a place where people were crucified. It was like the electric chair or something. I mean, this is, this is not a symbol that would be good. But now, because he touched it, it's jewelry. It's something valuable. It means something. It's, just, it's a symbol of grace and forgiveness and love just because he touched it. And it's the same way in our lives. When he touches us, it changes us in amazing and incredible ways. One touch from him in my life was completely changed. That offer of forgiveness was there. And when I accepted it, it's like he touched my life and he changed everything. And that's the way the power of touch in the gospel. But how to use touch to strengthen your marriage? How do you use touch to strengthen your marriage relationship? Deliberately touching your spouse 
in positive ways can rekindle passion and love in your marriage. Just the simple act of like holding hands can really make a huge impact on your marriage. It can even remove stress by holding hands. It removes stress. In fact, there have been scientific studies that prove if you hold hands with your spouse, it relieves stress. And I have links in the show note where if you wanted to look, you can find the article where it talks about how they prove that it reduces stress when you hold your spouse's hand. Connecting with, with the touch, with the intent of showing love, it deepens the emotional connection between husband and wife because you're not just communicating with words, communicating with touch, you're communicating with feeling, you're expressing how you feel in the way that you touch each other. It's like saying, I am touching you with the intent of only being with you. It's like saying, you are so special to me. Out of all the billions of people in this world, I am touching you. I am connecting with you in a way that I'm not with anyone else in the world. Touch each other with a lingering hug. There's this new thing that I've read about and that I've thought about. And this is the idea of hugging your spouse and counting. So hug your spouse and count to six. So this means you deliberately put your arms around your spouse and you hug your spouse and you deliberately in your mind, you, you, you hold that, that hug for six seconds. And here's the homework assignment to do this, to do this this week, twice a day, all week long. And at the end of the week, just see how it impacts your marriage and the things that it does to help your marriage, to have that lingering hug, to see what that touch does for your marriage. No, you have to at least count Mississippi. Yeah. No, no headlocks. So those headlocks don't count. No, no, that doesn't count. So, so it has to be a loving hug. It has to be a, a way to express positive emotions in ways that would impact your marriage. In doing this, you're connecting with your spouse. You're saying there's no, no one, there's no one else in the world right now. It's just me and you. So in doing this, you're connecting. It's like saying there's nobody else in the world that matters. Nothing else going on in my life matters for these few seconds except for me putting my arms around you and me being with you for these few moments. Also take time to hold each other. You know, the stress of life, kids, and commitments. You know, the act of just being together and holding each other somehow just gets lost. Just hold each other with no ulterior motives or nothing, no agendas, only just to be together. You may be surprised at how strong it makes your marriage relationship. If you just take the time to touch, if you just take the time to be with one another. In summary, how you can identify and fix electrical problems in your marriage. Number one, we said, learn how to replace faulty things in your marriage instead of just giving up. Identify the things that are wrong and work together to fix those problems. Number two, learn how to use the power of touch in marriage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for the privilege to be in your house. And I pray you help us to have a determination to um, live for you, a determination to do your will, a determination to draw closer to each other in our marriages and to draw closer to you at the same time. Lord, I pray you'd help us to apply the principles of your word. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. If this podcast episode was helpful to you, consider taking the time to share it with a friend. Remember that God has great things planned for your marriage. So don't miss it.